What a beautiful sight to stand here and look at my brothers and sisters in the Lord as we gather together to worship. No greater pleasure is ours while we live upon this earth. All of you that are listening this morning by Zoom, welcome to the service. We hope you enjoy it. We long for the time that you can be with us in the assembly such as this. The Apostle Paul gives us an indication of some great study that I want to share with you this morning. I call it the eternal purpose of God. And to introduce this, I want to turn to his letter to the church at Ephesus and read there from chapter 3. Ephesus chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I want to stop right there for just a moment. There's two or three things in this that we need to call to our attention. Paul said, by revelation, he has made known unto him, the apostle, the mystery. And when you come to that word mystery, always remember that in the New Testament, it refers to a plan of God. So they came to the plan, and it was revealed to the great apostle, and he gives it to us that when we read, we may understand his knowledge in the mystery or in the plan of Christ. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it has now been revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Let's stop right there again. I want to call to your attention what Jesus had told the apostles when he was gathered with them upon this earth. Remember in John 16, and I didn't put it on the slide, verse number 13. He said, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So he promised these apostles that they were going to know all truth. They were going to know things that were going to come. And Paul has received this, and he gives us some very important information. Next slide. He said unto me, who am the least of all the apostles, I'll get it right in a minute, of the least of the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of his suffering, of the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So when we've come by these things, he said, it's now been revealed, the unsearchable riches of Christ. What were those riches that the Gentiles, that's us, might be brought into this great kingdom of God? Now verse number 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places 
might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Now think about this for just a moment with you, if, with me if you will. He said under the principalities and powers. Those are heavenly angels or orders of angels. And he said it may be known now unto them by the coming of the church the manifold wisdom of God. So even the angels when the church came could understand the wisdom of God that had been hidden. And as we stop and think about who is it that's behind all of this. I want to read with you a passage from the book of Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. What a statement. There is none like him. He is God. He is God and he is still God today. Declaring the end from the beginning from the ancient times, the things which are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasures. So when you think about this, you and I today believe in God. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And we understand that when God said, I am God, there is none else like Him. I want to begin with some thoughts this morning. I want to go back, if you will, before the world began. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, Paul said, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the world began, or before the foundation of of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Notice Paul said this was before the foundation of the world had been laid. Now the next slide. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Now one more along this line of thought before the world began. Titus chapter 2, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot, promise, cannot lie promised before the world began. So we have this promise going way back before the creation of the world. Now, as we look at these things this morning, we're going to find the promise, and then we're going to stop a moment and find the fulfillment of that promise. And when I use the full word fulfillment, what are we talking about? I looked up in Thayer, and he gives more than one definition of the word fulfill. He said, of sayings or prophecies to bring to pass, or to accomplish something that has been spoken. 
And the last definition that he gave was to bring to an end. So now, how can we find the fulfillment of those things that were promised before the world began? And we go to 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul said, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought to life, it hath brought life in immortality light through the gospel. So we have these promises before the world began. They were fulfilled when Jesus Christ came into this world and became the sacrifice for all mankind. So now let's look at that briefly. Before the world began, it was fulfilled. We have the record of it, don't we, in Scripture. And we move to the next thing that I want to point out. And that's back in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3 and verse number 15, God told Satan, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Was this ever fulfilled? Can we find a record of it? Let's look. In the book of Hebrews 2 and verse number 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. So Jesus came and fulfilled that promise that was made back there in the Garden of Eden. And he fulfilled it when he went to the cross and when he arose again. So we have the fulfillment of before the world began. We have now the fulfillment of the promise that was made to Satan in the Garden of Eden. Let me move on. I go to a man by the name of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation and will bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse, him, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God made Abraham a promise. Was that fulfilled? Can we find if it was? And we go to the book of Galatians 3 and verse number 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said not unto seeds as of many, but as of one and of thy seed, which is Christ. So then I stop and say, was that promise that was made to Abraham fulfilled? Oh, absolutely, it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we have three that have already been fulfilled before the world began, the Garden of Eden, and now Abraham's promise. We find the fulfillment of it when we get into the New Testament. One other that I want to look at, and this is found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. 
And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I spake in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face, in the mountain, out of the midst of the fire. Now before I move to the next scripture, there's two or three things in this I want to point out. Number one, he was speaking to Israel. He said, hear, O Israel. Who were the nation of Israel? They were the descendants of Abraham. We have the fulfillment of these promises as they move along. And now God is speaking to them. And he said, or Moses now reminds them that God made this covenant with us, he said. All of those that were gathered around Mount Horeb that day, only the children of Israel and those that had come out of Egypt with them were gathered around that mountain. He made that agreement with only one nation of people. And that forbid all of the Gentile world. It was made with Israel. Was that fulfilled? Well, let me, before I get to that, one other verse. In this fifth chapter, on down, verses 14 and 15. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God brought thee thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, that word therefore means remember what went before. You came out of Egypt, Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. If you were not in Egypt, if you were not in bondage, if you were not a slave, the Sabbath day has nothing to do with you. It was given to that nation of people and no other nation was ever commanded to keep that Sabbath day. Somebody said, Brother D, that's pretty strong. Sometimes we need it pretty strong. But I want to ask you, was that law fulfilled? We're talking about fulfilling things that were promised. What about this? Is it fulfilled today? Let's look. In the book of Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse number 21. Is the law that against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given that could have given life, verily righteousness should have been By the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came. We were kept under the law. Shut up to the faith which should afterwards be revealed. So then we have a lot of promises. But look on down. I will go to another slide. Beginning at verse 24. 
He said, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now let's stop right there for a moment. He said, This law that you're contending for, people, was a schoolmaster or a teacher to bring us to Jesus Christ. Why? That we might be justified by faith. They could not believe in Jesus until he came. Now he said the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Now look at the next verse, 25. But after that faith is come, we're no longer under schoolmaster. I want to ask just how hard is that to understand? You have this teacher, this schoolmaster, the law of Moses that was dedicated to bring them, the Jews, to Jesus Christ. And after that schoolmaster has come, he said, we're under faith. We're not under that schoolmaster anymore. For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That law had an intended purpose. What was it? To bring the Jewish nation of people to Jesus Christ, that they might believe in him when he came. Now, one more scripture before I move on. Romans 10 and verse number 4. Paul said, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Was the law fulfilled? Absolutely. Served its purpose, brought them to Jesus Christ, that they might be justified by faith. So we live under that faith of Jesus Christ today, not under the law of Moses. I want to ask you a question. Looking at Romans 10 and verse number 4, he said, For the Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. What happens when you get to the end of something? Isn't it usually over? You know, every once in a while we watch a program on TV and it gets down to a certain point says, the end. Well, we know that's, that's the end of that. After a while, a few hours from now, the sun's going to go down and it's going to get dark and we'll say that's the end of the day. Do we understand the end? And then it'll be dark for a while and in the morning the sun rise up again, the Lord willing, and we'll say... That's the end of the night, beginning of a day. We understand the word end. If I have a rope in my hand and I get down to the end of it, they say, tie knot in it and hang on, right? We know what the word end means. That is finished, it's done, it came to pass. But why can we not understand that when we go back and we read the law of Moses, that it's done, it's finished, it was nailed to the cross, and we're not there anymore. Moving right along. As you think about the things that we've noticed already that have been fulfilled. 
We go back to before the world, the Garden of Eden, to Abraham, now to the law of Moses. But there's another one or two I want to notice. How about John the Baptist? In Mark, the first chapter, beginning at verse number 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. John the Baptist preached, or John the... I'll get it in a minute. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. John was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. Did he fulfill his obligation? Well, let's look at one more scripture. John 1 and verse number 29. John said the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. So we have that obligation of John came to pass. It was fulfilled. He said, here's the Messiah, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So we have the fulfillment of all of these so far. Before the world began, in the garden, the promise to Abraham, the law of Moses, and now John the Baptist's role was fulfilled. That brings us to Jesus Christ. In Luke 24 and verse number 44, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Jesus made a bold statement. He said, all of those things must be fulfilled. Next I go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 20. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed by corruptible things, such as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. The Apostle Peter gives us another important scripture. In 1 Peter 2, who his own self, Bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So that promise that all of these things must be fulfilled, Peter said they were fulfilled. He bore our sins. What else could we ask for? 
Remember when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. All of those things that were prophesied were fulfilled. His life was completed. He had paid the penalty for our sins. It's done. All of those things so far we have found were fulfilled or they came to pass. That brings us to an interesting story. The church of Jesus Christ. In Daniel chapter 2, there's several verses here I want to read. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But he said, As for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any other being. But for their sakes that shall make known the Interpretation to thee, to the king. And that thou mightest know the thoughts of thine heart. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This great image, which, with whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then as the iron, the clay, the brass, and the silver, and the gold broke into pieces together and became as the, like the chaff of the summer thrashing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. What was that stone that became a great mountain? What was that stone that filled all of the earth? It was the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the church that He came to purchase with His own blood. In the book of Colossians 1 and verse number 23, the scripture said, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am a minister. I want to ask you, with that verse of scripture in mind, don't you think the gospel had been preached everywhere? That that kingdom had spread, not all of them obeyed it. Just like you stand here today and you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, not everybody's going to do it. <clears throat> some will obey, some will reject it. The same thing happened during the days of the apostles. But it was a gospel that went out into all of the world. Another promise in Isaiah chapter 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills 
and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's going to go out of Jerusalem, the word of the Lord. Did that happen? Well, let's look. In Acts 2 and verse number 5, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. If you read Acts 2, you'll find there were about 17 nations that were gathered there on the day of Pentecost. And Paul, our brother Peter, began to preach unto them. In verse number 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of, Israel, of Judea, all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you, and hearken unto my words. He said, all of the nations, all of you people that are gathered here today out of every nation under heaven. What happened on that day? Remember what Jesus had told the Apostle Peter in Acts the 16th chapter beginning at verse number 18? I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He said, Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Did he use those? That great sermon that he preached in Acts 2. And you get down to the last verse. He said, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I want to talk about this great institution that we call the church. You and I are so richly blessed that God has sent His Savior, that He has redeemed us by His shed blood, that He has added us to that great kingdom, and I can look at you this morning and call you my brother and my sister in the family of God. No greater blessing could be found than we could be called the children of God. In Acts 20 and verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. You, my brothers and sisters, are a blood-bought institution, cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse number 19, Paul said, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? And he said, you're not your own, for you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. How great, how precious 
How wonderful the family that we enjoy together in the family of God. In the book of the Ephesian letter, chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all of the fullness of God. The love that we have in Jesus Christ that He has given us, He said, is so great, we can't even begin to understand. We cannot begin to know the will of God in Christ Jesus. But He said, Now, unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. We are the children of God. We are the thing that makes God happy. We are the children of God. Paul again said, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. There's where we are, a holy temple in the Lord. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe? You accept that? What is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe? According or just like the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead, and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body. And usually we quit right there. We want the scripture that said the church is the body. And when we do, we miss the most important thing out of this whole verse. The fullness of Him that filleth all in all. The church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the completion of the plan of God for men. That's where you and I are today, my brothers and sisters in Christ. The word fullness, according to Thayer, in the New Testament is the body of believers that which is filled with the power, the presence, the agency of God and of Christ. My brothers and sisters, that's where we are today. 
The church is the completion of the will of God. Now I'm going back to Ephesians chapter 3 one more time. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery or the plan which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now under the principalities, powers in heavenly places or the angels might be known by the church or the coming of the church the manifold wisdom of God. So the church is the revealing of the manifold wisdom of God. And it's your privilege and it's my privilege today to be in that kingdom. Second Peter 3 and verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, some income slackness, but His long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Timothy, or 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. As I close this morning, I want to ask you, are you in the church, the eternal purpose of God? If not, why not? Can we not understand how important it is to be in the church of our Lord? All of those that were saved in Acts 2 were added to the church that day. And not only that day, but every person that has been saved from that day to this day, 2,000 years later, have been added to the body. Are you in that body? If not, why not? You know, if you decide you want to be saved, it's easy for me to stand here and tell you what you must do. First of all, you must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus said, likewise, you must repent. You must change your direction. You must go with the Lord instead of against Him. He said, you must confess a faith in Jesus Christ. You do believe in Jesus, don't you? Then why not make a confession of that faith before this audience this morning? And then humbly be baptized for the remission of your sins. Like Peter told them in Acts 2, verse number 38. Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Would you do that this morning? As together we stand and sing.